Hello and welcome to Podiatry Practice Mastery. My name is Don Pelto and I have Elizabeth Lewis here with me. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. excited to be here. We are going to talk about, so all my listeners are busy podiatrists. So they're all physicians. Most of them are surgeons. Most of them are very busy and kind of overwhelmed. And you work specifically with psychology and kind of breaking through different kind of patterns that people have. So first of all, just tell me a little bit about your backstory, how you kind of got into this, working with people. Um, have you had any success with doctors and kind of crazy people like us? Yes. So it was a fluke. That's how I got into this absolute fluke. Um, long story short, my brother tried killing me my whole life and I would go to therapist after therapist after therapist trying to figure out like, okay, cool. I had a traumatic childhood. I know that I don't need validation on it, but like, how do I change? How do I get free from the trauma? How do I get free from the complex PTSD, which I ended up being diagnosed as no one could tell me. And I'm going to sound super self-righteous, super egotistical. I don't mean it that way, but I was like, maybe all you therapists don't know what you're talking about and you don't know anything. And so I went and got my first graduate degree in psychology to fix myself because I just wanted to know, like, how do I get free? Because I believed it was possible. Long story short, I ended up rewiring my brain, learning a lot about neuro neuroscience, neurology, neuroplasticity, neuropsychotherapy, using me as a guinea pig to fix everything and um, had radical results, walked out of an autoimmune disease, rebuilt my immune system, like everything changed by just learning how to rewire my brain and think differently and just navigate this trauma in a different aspect that no therapist had ever told me about. And then my my professors are like, you're really talented at this because my specialty was coaching psychology is what I was um, focusing on. And so they gave me the overflow of their clients. And then like the rest went on. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, everyone can roll out of bed and be a coach nowadays. And so I was like, I don't like this. So let me go get my second graduate degree so I can say that I'm a therapist because that's a privileged word. Um, and I'm still in the process of finishing that. And I specialize in neuropsychotherapy there. And I just am passionate about business. I've been an entrepreneur since I was six years old. And so I was like, let's integrate all of this to help mm. people really just change their psychology, but also build a multiple figure income mm -hmm. or business simultaneously. Wow. So let's talk, I always like to talk about what are those areas that are levers? What are those kind of big ideas that people may have heard about, but they're not really implementing in their lives? Uh, you talk about them some on your website. You can tell us about that at the end, but what are some of these big rocks, some of these big things that people can do, everyone that's listening that they can do and maybe should be doing? Well, first off, it's it's really learning how to become willing like opening yourself up. I mean, at the end of the day, humans kind of fall either into avoidant behaviorism or positive approach behaviorism. If you're avoidant, then most likely you're pessimistic, which means you have a core belief that to some degree centers around, I'm helpless, I can't do anything, I'm, I'm, I'm incompetent, or even that. And if you have the, I'm a victim, then you have a lot of self-pity and you've got to get rid of the self-pity before you can do anything. And fun fact about self-pity, as we work to get you free from it, you will be mean, you will be vindictive, you will be cruel, you will be an a-hole, but that's just kind of how the mm. self-pity kind of gets out at the end of the, degree, end of the day. So it's really just learning how to be willing because if you're willing, then so much more can change. And I mean, you might be able to say this too, just about your profession. Sometimes the simplest and the most like weird things are what changes someone the fastest and the most, if that makes sense. Like hmm. sometimes we want all these complicated things when it's like, really, no, it's simple. And it's just doing this thing that seems like that wouldn't work, but it actually does work. Give me an example that's worked with someone that you've worked with. 
Well, one thing that I tell all of my clients is get really clear of who you want to be. Like the ideal self exercise is so overused in coaching and therapy. But if you look at it from a neurological and a neuroscience perspective, it's actually the number one tool that can help you rewire your brain. Number one, you've got to know where you're going. So if you, because our thoughts become words, our words become actions, our actions become habit, our habit becomes character, character becomes our destiny. So if you keep on saying, I'm lazy, and you want to be proactive, well, don't be all sad when you're constantly being lazy because you're constantly strengthening those neural synaptic nerve connections. So instead, write your ideal self, remove all constraints, really use your imagination, think big, and tell me who you want to be. And then every day, intentionally think about being that person for an hour a day accumulatively. And what we found in neuroscience is that in six months, if you do this every single day, so 180 days straight of just thinking about your ideal self to, and imagining and visualizing it, in six months you'll be 90% there or have an or have more clarity on how to really create some of these realities because some of this stuff obviously takes time and so just by sitting in the car being like I'm amazing I'm loving I'm kind I'm a rock star I'm a successful doctor I'm this like it sounds so silly I get mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. but it can radically revolutionize the way you think because you're also programming your reticular activity system to start to filter in the stimuli that's going to honor that new person you're and trying validate to validate that exactly because there's so much stimuli in the world and we're getting more and more each second wow yeah and and so if, if, if those that are listening if you haven't done this it's a pretty easy task you pretty much write out what your future self would be like or what you would be like in a year or three years you might not be there but you would just kind of write it down in a some people call it like a vivid vision others talk about there's different ways of talking about it but just doing it why elizabeth why don't most people do that because everyone knows they should do that why don't we do that well first off i just want to say make sure you write it as if you're currently doing it not saying like i in present would tense yeah mm -hmm. make sure you do present tense that's a huge uh, catch why don't people do it you know i think that's like the million dollar question and i think the reasons there's just too many reasons to boil down to one change is hard for a lot of people which is funny because you know change is literally happening like okay a second just passed it's never going to come back again you can't step in the same puddle twice at the end of the day change is always happening um and a lot of people are resistant to getting out of their comfort zone it's like a it's like an unhealthy relationship right like nonetheless it's a relationship but you're comfortable where you're at in the, in the stuff you're living exactly and, and growth is you know tony robbins says something regardless if you like him or not i think it's pretty point on you're either living like you're either growing or you're dying it's kind of binary at the end of the day you're either growing yourself and moving forward or you're staying stagnant um and also this is more of the american mentality and i think it's obviously spreading but we just want everyone else to do the work for us or we want the quick fix like we lack resilience and like kind of doing the hard work and learning how to separate your emotions from things. I mean, your emotions and feelings can lie to you. Limbic loops can give you false information that the brain will send you and it's not realistic. So, so many people buy into their feelings and into the like, well, it shouldn't be this hard, these rules, right? Like you just said, should, that tells me there's a lot of rigid rules probably in some of your thinking to a degree. And we want to see this world in this right or wrong way when that's not realistic. I mean, life is complicated. People are complex. And so if you can start to see the world more as like genius and versus this or that, like how can we create both realities together? Set yourself up for success. I don't know if you have clients where you have to like tell them like you need to start exercising or you need to do this foot exercise. It's like, 
just do it for a minute one day. And then the next day do it for three minutes, like start off small. So you build those, those motivational yeah. habits to keep going. Yeah. Those are coming off like atomic habits or tiny habits. These types of books, which I, I think are habit change for our patients is a challenge because we see a, a large portion of diabetics. And I always go into talking about most of people get injured because they're trying to work out. They're trying to work out because they're losing, looking to lose weight and then their foot gets injured. Yeah. And a lot of times I, I feel like the best way is like saying, okay, what's the, what are you trying to do? We're not trying to lose weight. Well, here's some tips or here's something you can see or, or something else to help with that. Yeah. And I can help the foot, but yeah, kind of getting deeper. What, what are some of the, I, I, I love this stuff. <laughs> this stuff is so much fun. How, yeah. how can people like, let's say you do write these things out. Who needs a coach and who needs like a, a therapist? I think everyone should get a therapist one hour a week just to talk yeah. your your things because we all have issues to kind of deal with how do people know when they kind of need a coach or because like for example you have a lot of resources and i'll put those underneath this podcast but people can do these quizzes they can do these online courses but they still have to have time to do the online courses and then time dedicated to making the change that's where i find the biggest challenge is i think people like finding time to to make to make it a priority so they'll actually do things that's like the million dollar question. Right. Well, I mean, first off, stop saying you don't have enough time. Like the average CEO is five hours a day. The average employee is only productive for three hours, three and a half hours um, a day. So at the end of the day, you, you have plenty of time. It's to your point, like, where are you prioritizing it? As for who needs to get a coach, who needs to get a therapist, you know, that is such a blurred line and coach therapy type of deal. Um, I find it a little frustrating that anyone can roll out of bed and be a coach. Um, I find the red tape to therapy super frustrating too, because what you learn to become a therapist is freaking pathetic. It blows my mind. I have conversations with my professors all the time about this. I'm like, this is not enough information. This is so sad. You not, you did not prepare anyone, but, um, you also have to remember that like, if you've never had psychological safety imprinted into your brain as a child, therapy's not going to be as effective if at all for you and same with coaching. So in that type of situation, go to a trusted friend, journal yourself, do, do the self-development works, de de develop the habits, which can take time to do that. Um, I would agree. I think it's, it's impactful to talk to somebody, but look for somebody who can pull the core root problem. My clients see radical transformation in three sessions or less because I'm just, I'm, I'm a nerd. I just freaking love learning and studying and researching and all of that. So I read about two books um, a week minimum and a few courses too. And so find that person who can help you create permanent change at the neurological and psychological level, not just the surface level. Mm -hmm. A lot of therapists aren't trained to teach you how to change. They're trained in theory, not implementation. A lot of coaches don't know enough about the brain or about psychology to be impactful at the end of the day. But if we set all of that aside, the research says that, you know, cognitive behavior therapy is the most effective. But if you have a friend that you trust really well, that will be just as impactful as working with a therapist. Here's the caveat. Stop venting. Venting is never going to be beneficial for you. It hurts your brain. It can cause irre irreparable damage to your brain too. So focus more on what 
you want to achieve and what you want to create versus what you want to avoid. Mm-hmm. So funny, like how many people, you know, if you think about faith and fear in a binary um, viewpoint, faith and fear are equal in substance. And so many people focus on fear, what they don't want to see, right? Fears in the future, faith in the future, fear is what you don't want to see happen. Faith is what you do want to see happen. Focus on that because they're both equal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So kind of watching what your words and what you're, what you're thinking and planning, that's, yeah. yeah. The no. fastest way to change your brain is changing your vocabulary, actually. It's insane. That's that's one of the key things for neuroplasticity, change your vocabulary. And then having people help help you with that, help you. Yeah. yeah. How? What are some of these, you talked about um, changing your words. What are some of these disciplines or these habits that you think are most effective for your clients? Like journaling, it sounds like one, your oh, your your future, what your future person looks like, What what other things help? Yeah. Journaling is huge. Some of this is very dependent on what your goals are and where your personality traits are falling, where your neurology is right now. Cause I listen for that and look for it and do some assessments to figure out where we need to refeed some of the neurons. Um, the other thing too, is, is really learning how to develop optimism. So a lot of people naturally are c- catastrophized, especially if they struggle with rumination, And so like, oh, I don't want that to happen. That's worst case scenario. Well, you know, challenge it with best case scenario too, right? Um, Another great question to just kind of bury in your heart is what just went through my mind? What was I just thinking? Because we all get weird thoughts. So you have to learn how to grow your awareness because cognitive behavior therapy says we have like thoughts on kind of three levels. My dog is crying. I apologize. Say hi. (laughs) Um, He lost a toy. Um, And so start to pay attention to your core thoughts. I apologize. Oh, I just knocked him on the head. (laughs) Your core thoughts and your core beliefs. That's hilarious. I'm so sorry. Um, Children, dogs, the joys. Um, uh, So going back to that, it's, it's, learning to be like mindful about your thoughts because 95% of our thoughts are the same every single day. One to 99% can be negative. Isn't that insane? Mm. So every day you have an opportunity to figure out what are, what is bothering you? What is consuming your energy? And is this a hundred percent true? Or are you maybe making a mountain out of a molehill? And, and so Elizabeth, first of all, can this be, can people do this by by themselves? Yes. And how much time does this take? Like it, what, what are the daily habits that people are doing? I can say what mine are. So yeah. I use the five minute journal every morning. Yeah. Uh, I've been, I've been in this thing called strategic coach going on 10 years. So I do have something yeah. called a positive focus every yeah. day. So I'm like one of the guys eating the, drinking the Kool-Aid and I read yeah. the books, but you know, I try to do it, but I feel like I can only, I read a, a book, a book or two a month on audible. So I, I like this stuff. But can people do it on their own? And what are some of the, the simple habits? Those are the things that I've been finding working for me along with like cold showers and not eating and all these other weird things to help my, my mind. What are some of these other, are those some of the things that you're thinking about and how much, how much time does it take for these people to do these things? Well, it's going to depend on your age because as we get older, our brain has become less plastible, not necessarily not at the end of the day. So it depends on that. It depends on how much you're willing to put in the information, the the effort, everything really comes down to effort. So I can't give you like a quantifiable time to say, this is how it's going to work, but you just kind of made a very awesome point, which is, 
I mean, I'm sure you had to experiment. You had to be open-minded to try things, to figure out what was going to work. I'm sure some things didn't work. And that's really what it comes down to. On the experiment hat, bring in your unique personality. You know yourself better than any coach or therapist is at the end of the day. And be willing to experiment. If you quote unquote fail, that's not failure. It's feedback. Learn from it. Move forward. Try again. Yeah. I think you just said that. And you have to realize progress or improvement is, is cyclical. You're going to have peaks and valleys and, and you mess up. And I, I keep, me- I keep messing up, but that's how you learn. If you're not making visible progress or at least trying something, you're not going to get anywhere. So I would just say, try anything and then f- feedback, like you said. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just consistency and it's being just willing at the end of the day to keep trying. And, you know, I always say, get a person, get a partner, get a friend, get someone to be accountability partner to call you out when you say negativity, when you say toxicity, when you say what you're not going to do, because yeah. we've chose master groups for a reason at the end of the day, we don't know what we're saying half the time. Yep. It's just, you know, how much are you, what is the work you're willing to do to change and be honest with yourself? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Elizabeth, let us know if people want to learn more about, you I know, you have a couple of, I'll put these links underneath it. You have a pers- performance development assessment and then you have a, a course and maybe a book. So tell us a little bit about what, what, how we can learn more about you. Yeah, you can always go to Elizabeth Lewis, L-O-U-I-S.com, uh, spell my name word there. And I have a course right now called Mindset Mastery. It's a self-paced course, and it teaches you all of the actionable steps that you would need to take to start to learn how to hone your, your mindset, to master it and build that strong foundation. So then you can build that first, second or third story. A lot of times people want to build that third story before the first or mm-hmm. second's even there. Um, I'm constantly being told by my clients that I give that tangible, actionable plan that they're wanting so they can do that step-by-step procedure. And you can go to elizabethlewis.com backslash mindset mastery to learn more about that. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This has been awesome.